Well, good morning, you guys. It's good to be here. Let me get my uh, iPad set so I can see my notes. That'll help. That'll keep me from rambling too long. I know you guys want to eat lunch eventually, right? So, I know I do. So, all right. So, um, well, glad to be here this morning. Uh, I know Pastor Ken pretty well uh, over the. My goodness, I don't know. I don't know the first time we met. Well, I had a conference or something, uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, and. Um, and uh, I think I was probably with Pastor Elliot Sneed at the time and Pastor Ken. And you get those guys together and trouble ensues. So um, you have to be careful. So anyways, uh, but when Pastor Ken said he was going to have surgery, I was like, oh, man, you've got to be kidding me, right? And uh, he said, you want to cover? I'm like, absolutely, I'd love to. You know, so, so I'm not glad that he's recovering. Um, but I am glad that he's doing better. And I'm definitely glad to be here with you guys. So I want you to know that. Um, so... Uh, Wanted just quickly to say thank you. Uh, one of the things that I get to do is serve uh, here in New York as a missionary with the North American Mission Board, um, and uh, so you are a part of that. Um, this church is a supporting church for uh, uh, the North American Mission Board, and very uh, glad that we can partner together. And so, uh, as we were praying earlier, thank you for praying for Ukraine and uh, the missionary personnel that is actually working uh, in the neighboring countries there. Um, I know we have send relief personnel right now that are helping do refugee relief with local pastors in Poland and neighboring countries. Uh, and so uh, I was just on a conversation earlier this week uh, trying to figure out how we best mobilize churches to help with that. Um, so really, you guys are already being a part of that. Um, and if you want to check out more, you can just check out, uh, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, you can just check out the send relief page. Uh, it's got some great updates on there. I just actually was checking on that before I came up here. Um, so, uh, but my job is on the other side of that. Um, I work in, uh, with church planting, uh, and so uh, I've planted two churches in the Adirondack region. We do not get as much snow over there as you guys get here. I know that. Um, so you guys win. I'm not even going to try to compete there. Um, it is cold, but it, that's a little different. And um, so I spent a few years there, um, and then uh, have lived in New York City now for about five and a half years. So I'm excited to get back to the upstate. Um, I really am. And so... Uh, so my girls, uh, my oldest, Eliana, said, Dad, can we get a horse? I'm like, you have a guinea pig. What are you talking about a horse for? I mean, you know that's not the same thing, you know. Uh, not even close to the same thing. So, so if anybody has horses, let me know, and maybe I'll send her over to you. Um, but anyways, uh, so, but uh, I never thought that God would uh, have me in New York uh, doing ministry. Uh, you guys, this is the guy that when I was younger, God tricked me into ministry with an airplane. Um, and uh, and I, I say that, but it's the truth. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to be a pilot. My grandfather knew that. And uh, I'm from Toledo, Ohio. He knew that. And so he started sending me um, some calendars to pray for Missions Aviation Fellowship pilots. And then he sent me other calendars to pray for Jungle Aviation and Radio Services pilots with, with Bible translators. And so I started praying for these pilots and their families and their needs. And God just started breaking my heart for ministry. And, um, and so when I was 17, I started flying airplanes. Uh, and uh, in that process, then found out that uh, when I started talking to a couple of missions agencies, they're like, no, we don't want you. We want you to go to Bible college. My mom was concerned if I would graduate high school, you guys. Um, so uh, Bible college, really? I, didn't, I, was, I had no desire to do that at all. And, um, but I thought, well, if this is what God, this is what I have to do to be a missionary pilot, I'll go. And so I did. And halfway through Bible college, had a major injury while I was playing soccer for the school. Um, and, uh, and it knocked me out of the aviation program. And it was really a day of reckoning for me because it was like, God, you sent me here 
I'm here because I want to fly airplanes for you. And God says, who are you trying to really serve? Are you trying to serve yourself? Or are you trying to serve me? And so that was a tough uh, uh, answer or a question to have to answer. And ultimately, I was serving myself. And so I finished my degree in uh, psychotho- uh, psychotherapy <laughs> and Bible. You know, like, oh, my goodness, that's a, long, that's a big change. And so, but God needed to work on me. He needed to refine me. He needed to break me back down so I could actually serve him. And the journey that we went on, I never would have thought. Uh, East Asia, good grief, you guys, we were in China. You don't fly airplanes in China. China was never something I was dreaming about. China, Chinese is not a language you want to learn. I'm just teasing. Um, and, uh, and if you can teach this guy to learn Mandarin, I mean, wow, you can teach anybody anything. Um, so uh, that's crazy to think about. And so it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And so, uh, and you're just looking at a regular guy. Uh, you really are. Uh, this is a guy who just wanted to fly airplanes and deliver Bibles and medical supplies. I didn't even want to be the real missionary. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go teach the Bible. I just wanted to fly the airplane. Um, and so, uh, but I want you to see that because uh, what God can do with you, who knows? And I think that's what we're going to explore a little bit this morning. Um, and so, uh, I really want to help you see what God can do with just ordinary people, but on an extraordinary journey. Um, because that's what God has called us to, this extraordinary journey. Um, I grew up, I was born in Toledo, Ohio. My dad worked for the railroad. When they went under in the 80s, uh, going bankrupt, uh, he went south looking for work. His first job when we moved to Atlanta, he was a school janitor. Uh, Wow, great career move, you know. Um, And uh, you'd never know that today. He went on to be an engineer for the power company and is retired now. And so they're great. My mom ran a house cleaning business, you know. So I didn't come from a family that was, you know, well-known as ministers or anything like that. My grandmother was a nurse, uh, but I used to go to her good news clubs when I was a little boy in Toledo. That's how I heard the gospel from my parents and her. My aunt led me to Christ, actually. Um, My grandfather was a truck driver um, and uh, and later a school custodian, you know. And so I just want you to hear that because, but these are people that God was using, and that's part of my story. And the generations as I go back, and I was talking to my grandmother before she died a couple years ago, and, uh, and I said, Grandma, who led you to Christ? How did you hear the gospel? You know, I, I was just curious about our, our history, you know. She goes, actually, it wasn't my mother. It was my grandmother that shared the gospel with me. And I was like, wow, so that means that my daughters are the fifth or sixth generation of Christians. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so what did I do to deserve that? I can tell you guys the answer to that question is nothing. Uh, it's absolutely God's grace on me, period, uh, and our family. And so... Uh, when I was 18, I committed my life to missions, and I was at a GO conference in Rock Eagle, Georgia, uh, and my life mission statement from that, that I, that I wrote out that day, says, all that I have and all that I am, I give to the Lord for his service. And the life verse that goes with that is Luke 10, 26, says, what is written in the law, he asked him, how do you read it? In verse 27, he says, love the Lord God with your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, really, I've actually tried to embrace that and say, how do I do that best? How do I love the Lord with everything I think about, the motive for why I do what I do, and for the actions that come from that? And can I do that? And honestly, you guys, if I could only live up to that, maybe I would achieve something amazing. (laughs) But the truth is, I'm fallen and broken, just like all of us, and, and I don't get that right every day. So what I want you to think about this morning a little bit 
is, is if, you're taking a, if you're taking notes this morning, we would title this message, Your Name, insert it here in the blank, In God's Plan. Your name in God's plan. What is God doing with you? What could he do through you? And, 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 and are you dreaming at all about what that could be? In Isaiah 6, 8 through 9, you hear this exchange between, between the Lord and Isaiah. And Isaiah in verse 8, it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And the Lord's voice says back, He said, Go. And so, I think we have to say, are we listening to what God is calling us to? Are we listening to go do whatever he calls us to? And that's, that's difficult. We don't know what that means sometimes. And we don't know where that's going to take us. I would have never dreamt in a million years I would live in New York. We've been here for 10 years. My daughters say they're New Yorkers, you know. I, I, I never would have thought that. When I went to Bible college, you guys, I intentionally did not go to Moody because it was in Chicago. Because I didn't want to go back north. I went to North Carolina. Um, I'm glad I did. I met my wife there, but, you know, uh, but that's, that's where I went. And so I have to laugh now that here we are. In Genesis 12, 1 through 4, uh, we look at the call of Abram. In verse 1 in chapter 12, the Lord says to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the people on earth, you'll be blessed through you. And I love this response in verse 4. I'll, I'll get there in just a second. We don't see some negotiation from Abram with God. Like, well, let's just see. Let me lay out the fleece. If it's wet, and then it's a dry night. You know? We don't see that. What we see is something very different from Abram. We see, he says, and Abram went as the Lord told him. That's the response. And that's, that's, that's the response when God says, who, who will go? Here am I. I'm telling you to go, and you need to go. And that's what it should look like. It doesn't often look like that. And I think if you go back through and do character studies in the Bible, you can see that men who trusted God and did what he uh, called them to wasn't always easy, for sure. But he blessed them. Often there was a high price to pay, but he blessed them. And he, but those men that did not trust God and, did, and, and worked against him, it almost always, not almost always, it always led to their destruction. Always. And, and so I won't go through the whole list. <laughs> you guys have to look that up yourself. But uh, uh, there's a guy, Dr. Alexander Granados. I, heard it, I was at a conference a couple years ago, and I heard him say this. He says, there is never unemployment in Christianity. There are only laborers that don't show up for work. We all have work to do, and I pray that we will always show up to work. I'll never forget that. I wrote it down. And I was like, we, there, there is no excuse for not accomplishing the task that's before us. The reality is we are called to it. And so when we look about, you know, church planting, missions, uh, what, what is that really about? Uh, one, is, is kingdom-minded growth of the family of God through the church? It's, 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 it's thinking missionally about how do we help people know Jesus, be brought into discipling relationships, and then in a place where they can be grown and then sent back out to do that again. So it it's, can be summed up as like kingdom multiplication, you know, we're not just trying to build this single castle. We're trying to build many castles across many fronts with many people. Uh, one of our, uh, our mottos in, in, uh, in the SEND network, which is the church planting side of North American Mission Board, is planting churches everywhere for everyone. And I, I, I share that sometimes when I'm working with different people in New York City right now. 
And they're like, so, so you mean you'll work with like Muslims and Buddhists and, and Sikhs and you'll work with these different people groups? I'm like, absolutely. I don't care if you're Catholic, Protestant. It doesn't matter to me. I'm still going to tr- embrace you. I'm not going to plant those churches, but I'm still going to embrace you. We're going to help them understand their opportunity to hear about Jesus, the gospel. We want them to know that there is freedom in Christ, that they don't have to be held in bondage to a religious system or ideal. And so we have to first, though, say, okay, how are we going to do this then? And so we've got to go back and look at Jesus. That's where we've got to start. And so in Luke 3, um, so if you guys are, if you guys got your Bibles out, just buckle up. I just want you to know, because we're bouncing through here this morning. This is not an exegetical verse by verse this morning. All right, so in Luke 3, verse 21 and 22, when all the people were baptized, this is John the Baptist uh, here, he's doing a baptism, uh, and Jesus also was baptized, he was praying, and heaven opened. In verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove, and the voice came from heaven. He said, you are my beloved son, I take delight in you. So what has God the Father just done to Jesus? He said, this is my son. And this is where it starts, right here. This is where it starts. So God sent his son Jesus to begin establishing the church and identifies him as this is the head, right here. Jesus is the head. He's going to be the cornerstone, right here. And then John three sixteen and 17, some of you should hopefully know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. So God the Father says, this is my son. This is where it starts. This is what it's going to look like. He is going to be sent here so that everyone for all time will have the opportunity to know my son. And they all have opportunity to have relationship with him. And this, he will be the sacrifice. He will be the the lamb that goes before us and sheds his blood on the cross as and pays the debt that we all owe. That's what will happen. And so when we miss the target, Jesus hit it. And so because he hit it, that means we have redemption, we have forgiveness, we are purchased out of this bondage and slavery that we are in. And so the next thing that you see, so this is where it starts with Jesus, but the next thing you see with Jesus is that he moves right into discipleship. That's the next thing he does. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Let's read this real quick. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These were classy people, highfalutin people, you know. Uh, In the city, we would call them bougie. I'm just kidding. They're not bougie. These are not the bougie guys, you know. So then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Once again, look at this response. The word is immediately. They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, uh, John, in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, in verse 22, immediately they left the boat and and their father and followed him. We're seeing a pattern, right? When God calls Abram, he went. When Jesus calls these, these fishermen, they come immediately. Francis Chan says it this way. He says, the job description of a disciple maker is the same as that a disciple of Jesus Christ. It requires everything. It means following Jesus in every aspect of your life, pursuing him with wholehearted devotion. It is a radical abandonment of all that we hold dear for the sake of the gospel being proclaimed to all people. The fishermen did not know where they were going yet. Abram did not know. He, knew, he didn't, wasn't even Abraham yet. You know? He didn't know any of that was coming. 
But he had to step out and trust God with what God was calling him to, just like the disciples did. And it's the same thing that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to step out and trust God if we're going to fully understand the mission that he has placed on each of our lives. Something I think is always sort of fun to do. We're going to stop just for a second. It's going to be a little awkward. Can be really honest with you. Okay, you ready? All right, so turn around and look at somebody you don't know. It's really awkward, I know. Just go ahead and do it. I know, don't, don't, and that's a little weird. Did you notice something about the people around you? They don't look like you. They have different hair color, eye color. Their DNA is uniquely different from yours. And it wouldn't matter if I put a billion people in the room. That would be true, right? And so God created you individually unique. There will never in the history of time be another one of you. And God has already preordained a plan for your life so that you can bring glory to him, period. So the question is, what are you doing with that? Does that make sense? You guys track with me? And so he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the next thought. He knows where you're going to go and how long your life is going to be. I was joking with my daughters this year when I had my birthday. I said, I'm 25 now. And they're like, what does that mean? Dad, you're not 25. You're older than that. I said, I've got 25 years left. And I'm like, so what does that mean? I said, I'm just going off my family history. Most of us are gone by 65. And, um, and my daughter's like, Dad, you can't say that. Don't say that. That's not fa- You can't do that, you know. And I was teasing. I said, I said, but I think we need to live our life with intentionality. We don't know how much time is left, but we can't assume we're going to live forever. We better live with intentionality. And so as we go, if we look at this local body around us, each of you are unique in God's plan, in his purpose. And Jeff Christopherson says it like this. He says, the local body of Christ is a tool to advance the kingdom of God. It is not the goal of the kingdom of God. So the goal of the kingdom of God is not the church here. The goal of the kingdom of God is that we would be mobilized into the world, that we could go make disciples and reach the world with the gospel. That's the job. And so we're not called to be castle builders. We're called to be kingdom dwellers. There's a difference. And so uh, digging moats, building walls is not going to bring people in. Uh, We've got to figure out how to go beyond that. And so uh, we've got to be driven to live on the front lines. And so I think it's important that we highlight, you know, what's going on in the world with our missionaries. I think it's important. I thank you for letting me come here and speak this morning. But I really don't want you to see me as a missionary. I really want you to see me as just a regular guy. And the reality behind that is because I know that I am just a regular guy. I'm a regular, regular guy that God has chosen to allow me to do this. But it doesn't really matter what God has ch- called you to do. So I'll share a quick story with you that actually happened to me. I'm not making this up. Um, but uh, when I was in Bible college, uh, I rented a house. It was a really nice little house right across the street from the library at the school, which is not you know, true. Uh, it was across the street from the library of the house. It was not a nice house. And so, um, anyways, uh, I came from the library, which sounds very, you know, like theology guy, you know, studying the library. Um, probably was resting up or something. Um, uh, hoping I would get some osmosis from the learning uh, while I was sleeping. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, so, anyways, I remember walking out of the library, down the steps. My house is directly across the street that I rented. And there's a trash truck coming down the street. And I just remember thinking, I am so thankful that I don't have to do that every day. Um, Thank you, Lord, for not making me be a trash man. And so as I walk behind the trash truck, he's he's dumping my trash into the truck. 
I no more than get around the corner of the truck and he hands me a track. Wow. What do you do with that? Because who is really serving the Lord here? Jeremiah and his pious whatever? Or the trash man who loves me enough to share the gospel with me no matter what his vocation is? And the reality was he was the missionary, not me. And so... I want you to see it that way because it doesn't matter what job you have or where you're at in life or what you are called, you think your call to ministry might look. It doesn't necessarily mean a platform and a microphone. It might mean that you are diligently serving the Lord right where you're at, serving Him so that people can hear the gospel around you. Your circle of influence is not my circle of influence. And God has uniquely placed you in that circle of influence, whether that be your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. I don't live at your address, and I don't want to. I'm just having fun. Because God's placed you there, right? You don't want me moving in with you? That'd be weird. All right. Let's jump into John 13, 35 through uh, 30, uh, wait, 34 and 35. Sorry, you guys. So a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And I, and I jumped straight to this because I was teasing about, you don't want me to live with you. But the reality is, what is the world seeing from us that entices them that they want to be a part of who we are? What, what, what is it that makes us salt and light? And it says, you know, that's just religious institution, and that's your belief system, and I don't want any part of that. What helps them say, hey, no, there's something there that they see peace. They feel, they feel acceptance. They know that maybe their lifestyle doesn't align with the biblical truth, but at the same time, they know that they need what you've got. Does that make sense? We've just journeyed as a country and as a world through one of the worst pandemics that we're hopefully ever going to see in our lifetime. And there are people who are apprehensive, they're scared, and rightfully so, they should be. If they don't have the peace of God in their life, and they don't know where they're going to go when they die, they should be scared, right? Don't you think? And so, because of that fear, they don't they don't, where do they turn? And so, so they, that, you know, is it a political thing? Is it a health thing? At the end of the day, you guys, that stuff is by the wayside if we don't under, if they don't have a piece of where they fit with God. And so, we have the opportunity as a church, though, to show that love to them. We have the opportunity to, to bring them into a family that's entirely different than anything they've ever experienced before. It's the freedom of being free of the bondage of sin. It's knowing that when we die, we, we, we'll be before the Father in a better place. This is just temporary. And so when we think about what does it look like to live missionally as a church, it changes our perspective because now we start seeing people in a different, in a different light. And so Francis Chan said it this way. I'm going to read a couple things out of an excerpt of one of his books. He says, if you're not willing to make loving God and loving people your highest priority, then stop. What are you going to do? You're going to stop loving God? Please don't do that. But if you, but if you love God, you've got to know that God loves people. And so it's, it's not a and or. It's a both. You, so ultimately, it's about being faithful to God's call to love the people around you. It's about loving those people enough to help them see their need to love and obey God. It's about bringing them to the Savior and allowing Him to set them free from the power of sin and death and transform them into loving followers of Jesus. There's two questions that go with this. The question is, 
How much do you care about the people around you? Do we really care about them? And when we stand in a crowd and talk to people in your church, do we feel the burden of lostness around us? Because what drives me to go do my job every day is not because I'm always motivated to go do it. It's because I know that if I don't do it, there are literally millions of people who may not have access to the gospel. Millions, you guys. When I look at the state of New York, when I look at this region that we live in, the Northeast, you realize this is one of, when we, there's a Barna study that was done just a couple years ago, and I was reviewing the notes this morning. Rochester comes in at number eight of, of most or least church cities in America. Um, number eight. Wow. I just want you guys to know, I'm thankful you're here. Let me just start there, you know. It might feel like you're the remnant some days. I know it might feel that way. But we need you. You are vital to the plan of God to reach New York with the gospel. You're vital. Without you, we can bring in other people, but listen, they don't know the culture. They don't know the context. They don't speak the language. They don't know what beef on weck is. You know, I'm having fun, you guys, but let's be honest. That's the truth, you know. And so... It's important that, that we understand the call that's on each of our lives. And 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move, move to and fro throughout the earth, that, may he, may he, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And so Christopherson says it this way. He says, The king is not recruiting warriors to help him tip the balance in his battle against darkness, but rather he is seeking men and women who will find completion in his presence. You guys, we already know the outcome. Jesus wins. But in the middle, we have a duty. We have a duty to serve. We have a duty to be on mission because that's what we're called to do. It's God's missional plan. So why do we plant churches? Because it's God's missional plan. And so God gave, he, he said, this is my son Jesus, who I'm well pleased. He gets baptized. He says, this is my guy. Jesus goes out and starts making disciples. And then what's Jesus do next? He starts handing it off to his disciples, Right? And thank the Lord for that, because otherwise, well, maybe we wouldn't have the gospel today, you know, if those men weren't faithful with that. But that's what we would call, been called to. And so that was that next step, that he started handing that off. If you're taking notes, point three, how can you be a part of church planting and missions? What can you do? Well, there were some great examples earlier that, we, that were given. Thank you guys for that. But I, I'm going to give it to you easy. Four Ps. You ready? Pray. My goodness. I'll take it. If you're going to tap into the Almighty God's power for me, I'll take it. Thanks. You know, I need lots of prayer, believe me. And so do our missionaries. So do we as each other. You are missionaries. You are not exempt from the call that God has on our lives, is what I'm trying to help you see. How do you participate, Second P? Participate in missions. Well, you, we did that this morning. We prayed, right? We prayed for Ukraine. How do we participate? Well, we could say, hey, what can we do to make a difference in that? What can we do as a church? Uh, how do we personally get engaged with that? Um, and so th- look at the opportunities that are before you. It could be something like on the Send Relief website. It could be something on the IMB website. It could be something that right here in the community at this church, you say, no, I need, th- my call is here. I need to be doing this. Provision is another P. Provision, a lot of times we always think, oh, he's asking for money. Provision doesn't always mean money. Provision sometimes is Sometimes, you, I'll never forget a couple years ago, uh, I'll go to another provision example. Uh, when I was working in the Adirondacks, I needed a professional videographer to help me do promotion for the city of Plattsburgh because we were trying to plant another church there. And so 
But I, I mean, I didn't have a couple grand to go pull out, you know, f- you know, hire somebody and do all the videography and all that. But what was fun is that I knew a guy who was actually at, I think it was at um, Lake Placid Baptist Church at the time. And so I remember reaching out to him and said, hey, can you come help me with this project? You know, and I knew he ran a photography business. And he goes, he goes yeah, I can do it. He goes, how much money do you have? I said, I don't have any. <laughs> I said, maybe a couple hundred bucks, you know. And uh, he's like, dude, that, you, know, you know it's going to cost a lot more money than that. And I was like, yeah, I know. What do, you, what do you think? He goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, how about if I just do it for free? And I'm like, are you serious? You're going to do it for free? He goes, yeah, I'll do it for free. He goes, he goes I know what you're trying to do. And he, goes, and he goes, I think I'll just donate my time. He goes, I'd like to donate my time and help you. And so, man, I was like, yes, you know, because I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. But, you know, he provided something that I didn't have. You guys, God has given you talents and skills that are uniquely different than other people in the room. You have a background, a skill set that you could use to, to serve the Lord. I've had mission teams come and build stuff. I've had some people that have done this, like, uh, who have uh, done medical stuff. You, you, you don't know what God is already going to use in you, but you have to be willing to use it. The last P is promotion. And I always look at it this way. Like, we could be supporting everything everywhere, um, and that's not all bad, but... But if you own, like, stock in Home Depot, where are you probably not going to shop? You ain't shopping Lowe's because you want your stock to make money, right? And so you're like, I'm invested here. This is what I'm going to do. And so what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, pick your buckets that you're going to go after and go after them. Go headlong into it and say, hey, we're after this. If it's Toronto, it's Toronto. If it's, if it's Ukraine, it's Ukraine. If it's in doing this thing over here, great, go do it. I'm not saying you can't be aware and be engaged, but what I'm saying is you are sold out for what God has called you to. You are headlong into it. I don't think you could drag these guys out of Toronto right now and take them into Queens. I've got guys who are doing similar work in Queens that I work with. Um, but God has called them to, Queen, or to Toronto, and I, I'm, good, I'm, I'm glad for that. They need to be there. How can you be a part of the mission? Be a practitioner. Be a practitioner. It is not enough just to sit in the room and hear what I'm talking about. It really isn't enough. Because effectively, you know what we've done? You're sitting the bench if you're not practitioner. And that means you don't get to swing the bat. That means you don't get to score the points. And, that, and, that, and that's not okay. Because last I checked, if it's just me or other missionaries that are swinging the bat, we're not going to get it all done. Because we need you. We are the body of Christ together. Period. So who can be a part of this? Anyone and everyone. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus, you have a call on your life. Please hear that. It might not look the same as someone else's. The journey will be different, I'm sure. But that is exactly what it is. David Platt puts it like this. He says, God's plan involves sending his servants. So that is step one. Number one in his plan, God's servants are sent to preach the gospel And every servant of God is intended to go and proclaim the gospel. He sends servants, and his servants preach. And when God's servants preach the gospel, people hear. Unless we are preaching to a wall, people will hear us when we preach. So God sends servants, his servants preach, people hear, and when they hear, they have the opportunity to believe. Now where can the plan break down? If we don't teach, if we don't share... If we don't go, right, that's where it breaks down. And really the plan, it breaks down if we don't do what we're supposed to do. 
1 Corinthians 1, 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of us are wise according to worldly standards. Not many are powerful. Not many are of noble birth. Okay, that's me. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You guys, that's me right there. Uh, I, I didn't come from noble birth. I didn't come from a powerful family. Uh, and if you're looking at my family via worldly standards, you're like, what's going to come out of them? Some foolish guy named Jeremiah. That's who's coming. Watch out. Watch out. Because I want to shame the wise. Not for my glory, but for the Lord's. I want him, I want people to see the glory of the Lord. I want them to know him personally. I want them to be passionately in love with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, I want to see this family, I want to see this room packed out. I want to see it packed out time after time after time after time all over our region. And for that matter, all over the planet. Because I know what Jesus has done in my life. I know how he's changed me. And honestly, what's the point in living this life without him? What do I wake up for every day? So I can hear the COVID news? So I can hear our world is in turmoil? So I can watch the stock market drop and the prices of gas go up? Come on. What are we living for? You know, that is no reason to live. So our hope is in Jesus. Because we don't have to fear what's going to be in the 401k someday. We don't have to fear that. Because I know that he's got it taken care of. I don't have to worry about that. And so church planting, missions, you being on mission with God is about God growing his family at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. It's reaching the world through his son Jesus. That's his plan. And then we have a role through that, through prayer, participation, provision, going to be an active participant in the mission. And God sends us out we share the gospel, people hear the gospel, people respond to the gospel, and then people are saved by the gospel through Jesus. And so we have a role in that, and that is placed on all of us. And so my role, my job is not to shame you into being part of what Jesus is doing. I want to invite you to do it. I want you to be active in it, because I want you to be able to share in that celebration. David Platt also put it this way. He says, the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Look at the Bible. There's no other plan. The plan is us, you guys. The plan is dependent on us. It's us being obe obedient with the gospel. And so I just want to invite you to that. I want you to, we're, we're, we're going to stop here just for a second. This is the invitation. We're going to stop just for a second. And I just want you to say, God, what is it you're calling me to? Who? in my life, is it? it? I think there's a couple questions we ask ourselves sometimes, and it's who, what, where, when are the right questions to ask God? Why? Mm, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. You can read the book of Job for that one. Don't ask the why question. But it's who, what, where, when. Uh, even sometimes the how is okay, you know. But that's our question before the Lord today. What are you calling me to who are you calling me to? When are you calling me to go? How am I supposed to do it? We already know the why. We, the why is because they need Jesus. That's why. Um, and it's not why have you called you. That's the wrong question too. So let's, let's take a little second. We'll bow in prayer. Jesus, I thank you so much for this time.
I thank you so much for allowing us to have a personal relationship with you. Thank you so much for coming to this earth, enduring uh, our human plight sometimes, we feel like, so that we could see your life and emulate that even to the point of death if if, if needed. You loved us so much that you went to the cross for us so that we could so that we could be forgiven of our sins, a debt that we can't pay. And today as we consider our role as what you've called us to, I pray that you would just lead and guide our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would not be a part of the plan breaking down, but be a part of the fulfillment of your mission, of reaching people with the gospel, helping people know you, Lord, we know our region is, is, is unfortunately, pretty lost. But Lord, we have a role to play in changing that. And Lord, I just lay us before you this morning and pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to consider what you've called us to, to consider what we need to do to step out in faith and trust you, to go when it's unknown, to not have all the answers beforehand, but to just to trust you and know that you already have the best plan in store for us. I just want to give us this morning like a minute to just pray to yourself, what is God calling you to? If you're here this morning and you've heard me teach, but maybe you don't know Jesus, wow, let me just tell you, it's the best decision you ever make. You choose to follow him. Radically changed my life. And radically has changed millions of lives over time. And if that's you today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have to live in fear or in doubt. You can know that there's a Savior who loves you and has already prepared a way for you. And this morning, you can ask him to be your savior. And if you need more help in understanding that further or, or what to do with that, you can definitely talk with me or someone else here in the body this morning or I can help you with that. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Thank you so much that you've called us to be your servants. And thank you that you've already won this victory, Lord, for the sometimes it seems like the battle that we face each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.